But we are in a series that we're uh, in the book of Galatians, chapter 5, verse 22, talking about the fruit of the Spirit. Last week, Chad Kaneko kicked us off, and so we want to say thank you to Chad and bringing us the word. Can we just do that? I don't know where he is, but thank you, Chad, last week and kicking off our series. And we're talking about spiritual fruit. Now, if you think of, if you think of fruit in itself, like some of us have a favorite fruit. You know, you like strawberries. Uh, some of you like those um, uh, acai berries, but you like the acai berries with the chocolate around it. So I don't know if that counts. I mean, it's fruit in it, but, you know, you have the chocolate covering. Some of you like chocolate-covered strawberries. It's amazing that chocolate does something to fruit. Uh, maybe you like bananas. Maybe you put it in shakes. Uh, maybe you like nectarines. Right now is lychee season. So we live in a place, a state, an island that has fruit. Now, we see fruit all the time, but there is a process before fruit comes to fruition. There's a process. Fruit do- doesn't just show up on trees. There's a process. And in the book of Galatians, it was Paul the apostle who was talking to the Galatians, the people in Galatia, about the fruit of the Spirit. And the reason why he brought up the fruit of the Spirit was because they were living by the desires of the flesh. Now, we're going to be talking uh, mostly about the spirit of joy. But in order for us to understand the spirit of joy, we're going to have to understand that there are other types of, of, of uh, desires that we have called fleshly desires. So if you have your Bibles, you can turn to Galatians chapter 5, and we're going to take a look at what the Bible says about this thing called the fruit of the spirit or spiritual fruit. And if you are taking notes, uh, maybe you want to entitle tonight the spirit of joy. I'm, ho- I'm hoping that you, you are a joyful people. I, I hope that you have joy in your hearts. I hope you have, have, a, have a joyful day. Or when you wake up in the morning, you're full of joy. Right? I hope, hopefully when you got up this morning, you were joyful. Some of us wake up in the morning and it's first thing, yelling at someone, complaining about something, or you're just dead tired. It's like, where's my coffee? Where's, where's my coffee? Or you give someone coffee for everybody else's benefit. We all get up some, in some type of mood or with some type of emotion. And so what we're not going to look at is the necessarily emotional side or the emotional side of joy because it's, it's more than just emotion. Emotion is a part of it because God gave us emotion. And sometimes people say, well, what is, what is joy? Is joy like being happy? Is happy and joy the same thing? What, what is the difference between being joyful and being happy? Now, the Bible kind of uses that word interchangeably, joy and happiness, and we do understand that happiness comes from the circumstances or happenstance. If the circumstance is good, then you can be happy. If the circumstance is bad, then you're going to be sad. But it's, it's more than just an emotional feeling when it comes to joy or even the word happy because the Bible does say happy is the man who, and then it continues. So it's not, it's not, even if we use those two words, joy and happiness, it's closely related when it comes to the Bible. It's not how we say the word joy or what's, what's bringing us joy. It's what are we putting our hope into that will give us happiness or joy. And I'll, I'll liken it in this way. Because there are really only two things or two options that we have when it comes to the spirit of joy or having joy in our, in our life or in our heart. And it's the Lord or the world. Now, we, 
we know what the world offers. Many of us came to know Jesus Christ because of the, what the world offers. And we got into trouble. We were far from God. And then because of whatever was happening on the inside, we drew close to God because we needed him. And when it comes to the fruit of the Spirit, it even says, against such things there is no law. In other words, Paul the Apostle was telling these new believers and those who were beginning to learn about Jesus, he was letting them know that, yes, you can follow the laws of God, but these laws that you're trying to follow when it comes to the rituals of God is not going to bear fruit in your life. You can do all the, all the customs and all the traditions of everything that they've been doing, but if, if, you're, not, if you're not putting it in the Lord, then it, you're only going through the motions of it. It's kind of like church. We can come to church, and maybe that's the law we put in our hearts that we're going to go to church every day or every week. We're going to read the Bible every day. But if there's no fruit that comes out of it, then it, it becomes just routine then the end result is a fruitless life, that there's no fruit in it. In Galatians 5, it starts off in verse 16, and Paul says, This I say to you, walk by the Spirit, and you will not carry out the desire of the flesh. For the flesh sets its desire against the Spirit, and the Spirit against the flesh. For these are in opposition to one another. So that you may not do the things that you please, but if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. Now the deeds of the flesh, so now he's going to give a little outline and a list of what happens when we follow the flesh. He says, for the deeds of the flesh are evident, like it's plainly seen, it's evident, which are, and here it is, immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmities, strife, jealousy, outbursts of anger, disputes, dissensions, factions, envying, drunkenness, carousing, and things like these. So if, you, if you're doing something and it's not in that list and you're thinking, oh, I'm safe. No, you're in the category of and things like these. So he covers it very well. Of which I forewarn you. And then he says, just as I have forewarned you that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. So he's saying, if you want to draw closer to God, that's not how you do it. That's not the way to the kingdom. That's not how you receive God's blessings. Then he says, however, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. And he says, against such things, there is no law. In other words, these, these qualities that he's describing as the fruit of the Spirit is what is necessary to be evident of bearing fruit in our life. Like, if you, if you, if you are a loving person because of what God has done in your life, than when you were before, if you weren't a loving person, but now you're a loving person, that shows that you're bearing fruit in your life. Kind of like, uh, you know when someone says something to you, and uh, maybe back in the day, you wouldn't even talk. You would just, we call it here in Hawaii, in pigeon, troll blows. You would just fight. You would scrap. You would hit first and talk later. But now that you know Jesus, you don't do it like that anymore. 
that shows you're bearing fruit in your life. Now, if you're sitting there and you're thinking, oh, I, I still do that. I still lash out at people. I still say negative things. I still do whatever I want to do. Then, then maybe that's an indication that God wants to begin to bear fruit in that area. It could be anger, short temper. It could be jealousy and all the other areas that Paul had listed. So the, the question actually becomes this. Are you joyful in the Lord? Do you find joy in the Lord or do you only turn to him when things are going bad? And then when he helps, now you have joy. Or, no matter what life looks like, I still find my joy in God. I'm not going to find myself in the category of the deeds of the flesh. I'm, I'm going to find myself in the category of the fruit of the Spirit. And even if I'm in the fruit of the Spirit and life is not going according to how I want it to be, I will still praise the Lord. I will still find joy in him. Why? Because joy and the factor of joy or how joyful you're going to be and that power that comes with it, is not determined on what happens around you. It's, it's determined by what you put your joy into. You put your joy in the world, temporary. That's the deeds of the flesh. And if you look at the deeds of the flesh, it is the worldly joy for a moment. And then you reap the consequences. But when you put your joy in the Lord, it changes everything about our life. And that's what we want to look at tonight that the fruit of the Spirit includes all of these, these nine qualities, and they're not separate from, this, from the fruit of the Spirit, yet each one possesses, possesses a unique character quality that can be learned as individual traits. So when we talk about the fruit of the Spirit and we have these nine qualities, we can, we can learn each trait, and we're going to learn about the Spirit of joy. But I want to ask you, what brings you joy? What brings you joy? Just think in your mind. You don't have to share it. Just think in your mind. What brings you joy? Like when this happens, you're joyful. Now I want to ask you, what, with your answer, was that of the world or was that of the Lord? It's a simple evaluation. You can't justify it. You already said it in your head. You can't erase it. God already heard your heart. You can't go back. It's, you already said it. So what, where, what brings you the greatest joy? The greatest joy. Now, for me, what brings me joy is spending time with Heidi, spending time with my grandchildren. We have the, the youngest one. His name is Oakley. He says the funniest things. Now, if you have a three-year-old, isn't it the stage where they say some funny things? They're developing their own kind of personality and, and things like that. No, that brings me joy because of the things he says. And he has a little hisp when he speaks. So he calls it a, you know, the Tyrannosaurus Rex? He thinks a Tyrannos if you say Tyrannosaurus Rex... It's plural. So he calls it a T-Rex. There's no... So I said, I said, Oakley, no, it's, it's a T-Rex. He goes, no, Papa, it's a T-Rex. It's only one. I said, I got you. I got you. But spending time with him, it brings me joy. Now, that's, a, that's a, a, just a, a quick, tangible joy. So we, we can understand how our life works and, and, and how we're made up when something joyful happens. We actually have these things called mirror neurons from the moment we're born, and these mirror neurons are neurons in our mind that causes us to mirror someone else. So when we're looking at our babies and we have them close to us and we're speaking to them and talking to them, they're mirroring us. They're watching us. And so if we're not careful, they will continue to mirror us and watch us as they grow up. And then when they hit teenage years and they're doing what they're doing and you're saying, who in the world taught you that? 
the mirror. That's all it was. It was a mirror. All their life, that's all they've been watching was the mirror. So at an early age, we have these mirror neurons. And it's there because God put it there for us, for us to learn and to catch from each other. But those mirror neurons are also there for when you see someone doing something good, it makes you joyful. It makes you joyful. When you see something that someone does, like a good deed, it's kind of like, oh, that's so cool. Or if you see maybe your, one of your children do something that you never asked them to do, they make their bed, clean the room or something, doesn't that just warm your heart? It's like, wow. Like you pinch yourself, you're like, am I, am I dreaming? What? You, you actually cleaned up after yourself. Or you see the room and it's clean, it's spotless, like how you like it, it brings joy to your heart. Sometimes we respond with, how come you don't do that all the time? We say things like that, but it does something to us. Now, why does it bring joy to our heart? Because God created us that way. And chemicals are released in our body when we see something done well. It's just released in us. And so when it comes to joy, the way we're created, the way God created us, is for us to look at him as the mirror and to model after him fruit of the spirit, love and joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. But that spirit of joy come with benefits versus the vices that come with the world. That, that list that Paul shares with us. And he, he actually calls the Galatians and, and encourages them not to do the works of the law but to bear the fruit of the spirit because you're going to have desires of the flesh. It's in us. But then you're also going to have the works of the Spirit. And what Paul doesn't do is he doesn't just leave us with the bad news of here's the deeds of the flesh. And when you do that, you're not going to, you're not going to inherit the kingdom of God. So you're on your own. He says, no, here, here's the answer. Here is the, the fruit of the Spirit. This is what you want to follow. And he contrasts the fruit of the Spirit with the works of the flesh. That the law the law's inability to produce something in your life, to bring about righteousness, is not going to happen just with the law itself. It has to be because of the fruit of the Spirit. That's what's going to produce something in our life. And he urges every believer to bear the fruit of the Spirit since against such things there is no law. So he wants us to understand that there is something that comes with that, that Spirit, the fruit of the Spirit, when it comes to the deeds of the flesh, what he's saying is, you know, you know what happens when you're following the deeds of the flesh or you're, you're putting your joy in the world? It's, it actually interferes with the fellowship of the church body. It, 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 it kind of like blocks our relationship from one another from becoming who we're supposed to be as the church body. Not just as an individual believer in Christ, but as the church body. Because if we're, as a church body, doing our very best to encourage one another, build each other up, and then help us find God together, you put a three or four people in there that is doing the deeds of the flesh, it becomes difficult. Because it's almost like now, now we're, we're fighting against each other. Or in a marriage, if we're trying to follow God, but someone in the marriage is fighting against what we're trying to become or who we're trying to become in God, it, it, it puts... It puts division in the very fabric of our marriage. So God says in this, bear fruit. There, there, is, there are works of the flesh, but then there is the work of the Spirit. 
and it promotes fellowship. Which if you think about it, fellowship is the lifeblood of the church. That's what makes a church healthy. It's our relationship with one another. That's why some people, they say, you know, I don't need to go to church. Church, I, I go to the beach. That's my church. Or church is, I, I go golf. That's my church. If that is, I'm not very good at church. But I, I think every single person has a so-called church that they say, I go to. Here, here's the problem with that. That's not how church is defined. Church is not me being alone by myself and doing something I enjoy. That's fine. That's called play. We do that when we're kids. So if you still want to play as a grown adult, that's fine. It's just not church. Church, that word, is actually the called out ones. Now, what are we called out from? We're called out from the Lord. That we're, we're a part of his body. So if we're a part of his body and we're learning to be the church, there's a purpose for that. So you're not here by accident. You're here because God has a purpose and a value that he put in you so that you can go out into the world and church the world. What else is going to bring the world hope? And if we're believers and we're not joyful, why would people want a God who is not a joyful God? Like if we're miserable people, they're saying, oh, you should come to church. You should need church. You got to go to church. Why do you go to church? Oh, my wife tell me I got to go. But you should go because, oh, brother, you is nuts. Oh, sister, you got to go to church. Why? Because you just messed up. You messed up. You got to go to church. Well, how come you go to church? I got to go to church. I got to go to church. My family go to church. If I, if I don't go to church, I'm going to hear them from my mama. You know, we say things like that or, or there's something that, that puts us in a position of I have to go. We don't have to do anything. We get to go to church. It's a privilege why? Because we're believers. We're believers. Did you know that Christianity, if we look at it as a, as, an, as a religion, but it's actually a relationship, but just for the sake of illustration, that we're, we're the only religion that has a God that we worship the way we do, the way we sing songs to him. There, there are Christian artists who put together worship songs, which some of them we sang tonight, that no other religion does. It's, it's the relationship that we have with God that causes us to worship the way we do. Why is that? Because that's a part of the fruit of the Spirit. It's joy. I think if we were to do like a, a quick survey, that most of us would say, we came to know the Lord or we were interested in the Lord or God did something in my life during worship. How many of you would say that was me? Raise your hand. Just real quick. It was during worship. Yeah, God did something. He touched our heart. Some of us, we came to church and we just cried. We were just crying and we didn't know why and we were asking people, oh, how come I'm crying? Why am I crying? And they're saying, it's okay. It's the Lord doing something in your heart. No, I'm scared. I don't want to come back to this church anymore. All I do is cry. And I heard people say that before. And it doesn't, it doesn't matter, it doesn't matter of whatever our past looks like or if we're doing well in life. It's just, it's how God made us. It's that spirit of joy that is produced in our life that God will utilize to reach the rest of the world. I think it begs the question then, so how do we, 
How do we produce this fruit? Because all of these, these vices, these, the, the deeds of the flesh, they're evident. Like it's plainly seen. And how can we be joyful when the, desire of the, the desires of our flesh are in opposition to the Spirit? So here's what I want us to remember. Every single one of us can benefit from the fruit of the Spirit when it comes to joy. By receiving the power that comes with the works of the Spirit. The vices, the, the immoral, wicked behavior, the demands of the flesh. This is what happens when we follow the flesh. We live out immoral, wicked lives. But not when it comes to the fruit of the Spirit. The Spirit produces something. The, the deeds of the flesh destroys something. The Spirit gives life. The flesh takes life. The, the Spirit builds life, and the flesh destroys it. That's why James chapter 1, verse 2 puts it like this. Consider it all joy, my brethren, when you encounter various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces endurance. And let endurance have its perfect result so that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. So the Bible says consider. That word consider means to have authority over. That you're going to have authority over. You're going to lead. You're going to rule. You're going to command. Or you're going to go before. So this joy, to consider it all joy, is to say, wait a minute, I have authority to be joyful or not. To consider it. It's the same thing the devil said, the devil uh, told uh, Adam and Eve, or actually said to Eve, just consider it before she ate of the fruit. Just consider it. In other words, Eve, you have authority to choose. God gave that to you. So we, we have the authority, and God gave that to us. And when he says to consider it all joy, what the Bible is not saying is you need to feel the joy. You need to feel first. It says to consider it, to have authority, to lead. See, a, a Christian's life is based on truth, not feelings. If you, if you flip that around, then we start following the ways of the world because we move by feeling, not by the Spirit. We, we operate by truth, what God says. Even if it's not going with the, the ways of the world or when the world is moving in one direction and we stay true to the Word of God, we're going to get opposition. And that's okay. It still doesn't change the truth. Psalm chapter 8, 118 Verse 24 says that this is the day the Lord has made. We will rejoice and be glad in it. You know why the Bible says we will rejoice and be glad in it? It's not because of the day. It's because of our freedom to choose. We will rejoice and be glad in it. It's a decision that we make prior to how the day turns out. So when you wake up in the morning, just choose to be joyful. Yeah, but it's the worst day of my life. Choose joy, not feeling happy. Go based on God's truth that he is still on the throne. He still loves you. He still has a plan and purpose for you, even though it looks like the day is not going well. I choose. I, re I will rejoice and be glad in it. So what does this look like? Well, joy is produced by the Spirit. That's, that's what produces joy. It's the Spirit. It's not manufactured in the flesh. It's not something that we conjure up. And some people will say, well, but you're a Christian. You shouldn't feel depressed. You shouldn't be sad. Believe it or not, even as believers, as Christians, 
you will find yourself depressed, sad, and going through some painful moments. But when that happens, there are a couple of things that we can do. One, we can just stay there and say, okay, I'm depressed. I just, I'm depressed. There's nothing I can do. So I'm just going to kind of live life the way it is and just, I'm depressed. And I'll just depress everybody else around me. I'm, I'm depressed. And just stay there. Or we can do something about it. And instead of looking at the results of depression, find the root of it. For any tree to bear good fruit, there needs to be a good root system. And so the opposite is true too. If there is depression setting in, and not depression as in, you know, calves lost to the Celtics. That's not depression. That's just lose money. That's just, they lost. So hopefully they win out, but that's not necessarily depression. You're depressed, or maybe if you lose a game, it's, we use that word as, oh, I'm depressed. But there is, there is sadness when something bad happens, but then there is also clinical depression. Now, if you're in clinical depression, now there's doctors that can help with that because there's a chemical imbalance that is happening. So for someone to come up to you and say, but you're a believer, you shouldn't be like this. Just be joyful. Choose to be joyful. You can try your very best, but the chemicals in your body are saying it's not going to happen. But when it comes to the choices that we make, we've got to find the root of what's happening inside of us. Why is it the result this? Whether it's a result of the deeds of the flesh or even the results of being joyful in the Lord. Because even if we're, even if we're not a part of the worldly ways and we don't, we don't participate with the deeds of the flesh, it doesn't mean we're done. It doesn't mean I've arrived. I have the spirit of joy. I'm the most joyful person in the world. I love being around people. I'm joyful, I'm joyful, I'm joyful. And then just stay there. No, there are other things that the Lord wants us to do with the joy that he's given to us. Not just be a happy person. If that was the case, then that's the end. He would take us home to be with him. If that was the only thing for you to do, just be a happy person and then take up space, he would say, no need you. If you just want to be happy and you don't want to accomplish my purpose for your life, then, sorry to say it like this, might have to edit this. Then what good is it for you to still be here on this earth? If you're not continuously doing my works and you just feel, I've arrived. You don't want to just arrive. You might arrive and go home. So, just follow the fruit of the Spirit. When he says you're a joyful person, there's a reason why he gave you that. There's a reason why he gives us joy. And there's a reason why when we see the outcome of our life, whether it's joy or even fruit that is not good, we always got to go back to the root system. What is happening beneath the surface? Matthew chapter 7, verses 17 through 20 says this, that a good tree produces good fruit. And a bad tree produces bad fruit. A good tree can't produce bad fruit. And a bad tree can't produce good fruit. So every tree that does not produce good fruit is chopped down and thrown into the fire. Yes, just as you can identify a tree by its fruit, so you can identify people by their actions. You can identify them by their actions. And I think as believers, we have to ask ourselves the question, then what actions am I being identified by? And if there are certain actions that have taken place in our lives, then maybe there needs to be a cutting away. As the Bible says, maybe it has to be cut down, thrown into the fire. 
Maybe, maybe we haven't been uh, uh, speaking well to someone. Just cut that part out, throw it in the fire, and start speaking well to someone. Ask the Lord for wisdom and how we can do better with how we speak to someone else. Or if it's uh, how I treat someone. If it's not good, Lord, cut that out of my life. Help me to bear good fruit. Whatever it is, cut that out of my life. If it's, if it's uncontrolled anger, short temper, Lord, help me to cut that out of my life so that I can bear good fruit. If it's, if it's saying things that are condescending or putting people down, Lord, help me to cut that out of my life. If it's me going into debt, cut up my credit card, throw that in the fire, and help me to be wise with my finances. If it's, if it's uh, uh, pride, then, Lord, I want to cut that out of my life so that you can replace it with something of the Spirit. Fornication, cut that out of my life so that I can, I can be holy and pure for you. Pornography, cut that out of my life so that I, and I can throw it in the fire, cut it down so that I can be pure in my thoughts. You throw it in the fire. Whatever it is, you cut it out. If it's drugs, cut that out. Throw it in the fire. If you have to literally do that, throw it in the fire and don't go near it. Just let it go. Just let it go and walk away and say, I'm not going to be a part of that anymore because it's destroying your life and it's destroying the lives of the people around you. And some of you, I applaud you because that's exactly what you're doing. You may be clean and sober for one day, but you celebrate that one day. You may be clean and sober for two hours. Celebrate the two hours. Wait, if it was two hours, that was like during church. So still celebrate that. Whatever it is, you celebrate. Any, any, any movement forward toward the spirit, celebrate. Anything. Even when you, you know, you know when those moments happen at home that your spouse says something and you can say something back really quick and you hold your tongue? You're like, and you just hold it, celebrate that moment. Just a little party. It's like, yeah, I held my tongue. I, I never say nothing. I was good. Yeah, pat on the back. Thank you, Jesus. And then the next one comes up. You better, you, you better do that again because then you, you're, not, you're not building up. So even those small moments of victory, celebrate those times. Why? Because something is happening in your body that is keeping record of it automatically. And you celebrate those moments. You keep doing that. You're rebuilding your system so that you can be a joyful person, not so that you're just a happy person, but so that you can accomplish a goal. And we're going to get to that in a little bit. So the quicker you take care of it, the quicker you can bear fruit. And here are three things that we're going to look at. Joy is a work of the spirit, not of the flesh. We've got to remember that. That joy is, is a work of the spirit, not of the flesh. So you're not going to be joyful doing the things of the world in the way God wants us to be joyful. It'll be a temporary joy, just a quick one, but then it goes away. So you be joyful in the spirit, not of the, of the flesh or the world. The second thing is to remember that joy is manifested by the power of the spirit, not by the feeling of the flesh. It's manifested by the power of the spirit, not a feeling of the flesh. So you don't feel your way to having joy in God it's, it's the power of the Spirit. Because the deeds of the flesh are immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, and on and on and on and on. That's the deeds of the flesh. That's the feeling of the flesh. If you operate on feeling, you're going to operate in the ways of the world. And that joy is temporary. And then the last thing is that joy is the result of what the Spirit produces. That's what the Spirit does. Joy is the result of what the Spirit produces so I, wa I want to encourage you in this. Whatever you want the Lord to strengthen in your life, 
involve him in. If, if you need strength for, let's just say, strength to love people, involve him in loving people. If you want him to help you in the area of finances, involve him so that he can strengthen you in the area of finances. In your marriage, if you want him to strengthen your marriage, involve him in your marriage. In your relationship, involve him in. Whatever you, whatever you want to be strengthened, involve the Lord in. Galatians 5, 24 through 26 tells us, Now those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live by the Spirit, let us also walk by the Spirit. Let us not become boastful, challenging one another, envying one another. We've crucified the flesh along with its passions and desires. In other words, God put that to death. So for those who believe in Him, He put those things to death. So now we would have to actually choose to rebel against God to do the deeds of the flesh because we believe in him now. So it's, 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 a, it's, a, it's more of a, a choice to actually say to God, I'm going to follow the ways of the world and I'm going to put you on hold. Now here's what's, here's what's kind of not, it's, it's kind of sad if you think about it in, in the way of how good God is that he, he waits for us because of the freedom of choice, which is love, and lets us make that choice. And he waits for us because he knows that when all else fails, we're going to turn back to him. And what is kind of sad about it is that becomes our relationship with God. And it's never developed. It only becomes when I need your help kind of thing. But he will still love us. He won't even tell us, why did you do that? He'll just say, just love me because I love you. It's the beauty of our relationship with God. There's no other relationship like it. While we were yet sinners, he died for us. There's a scripture in the Bible in, in Nehemiah 8.10. It tells us that the joy of the Lord is our strength. And it really comes from when the Babylonians took over the Israelites and the walls of Jerusalem were broken in. And 70 years later, after captivity, Nehemiah, who is kind of looking over the walls of Jerusalem after they came back, was, was heartbroken to see the walls of his God's city broken down. And so he went to the king at that time and said, I want to rebuild our city. Can we do this? And the king said, yes, go for it. Now, he had opposition. People were opposing him. But Nehemiah said, our God will complete this for us. And the reason why he wanted to rebuild it is to show the nations around the world that there is a God who continues to build up his people. That, yes, they weren't protected by not just outside people coming in to take them over, but even wild animals so they built the walls back up. But I want to ask you this question. Just think of the walls that were being built up from being broken down for that long. I wonder how many of us, our hearts are broken. And God is saying, I want to rebuild your heart. I want to rebuild that. Because you're not able to be joyful in me, which is the strength for your life because of your heart 
It's broken. And maybe we need to do a repairing of the walls first in order for you to understand that the joy of the Lord is your strength. And that's what Nehemiah was saying to the people. He said, why are you mourning? This is a time for partying and dancing and, and, and celebrating the good things of God. We rebuilt the walls. So let's, let's be joyful. Why? Because the joy of the Lord is your strength. Those things are done. God has repaired. Now it's time for us to be joyful in him. Consider it all joy, brethren, when you encounter various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces endurance, and let endurance have its perfect result so that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. When it says perfect result, that word perfect means finished. To be complete means to be entire, whole, complete in all its parts, like a puzzle. That when God puts together that broken heart, it's going to be complete and whole to consider it. In other words, you have authority to make this happen. God gave that to you. Do you know how incredibly powerful that is to have the spirit of joy? It's a life changer. Tonight, I want to encourage you to take in everything that we've learned tonight. Apply it. Be a different person. Not because we're trying to be different, but because there's, a, there's something that the, the Spirit is producing. That it's not the foundation of the world that's going to produce something. It's not the root system of the world. It's the root system of the Lord. Stay connected to him and let God rebuild our lives. Amen. You can close your Bible, put away your notes, and we're going to pray. You can bow our heads for a moment. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, thank you for the time we get to spend together and to learn about the, the joy of the Lord, the spirit of joy, the fruit of the spirit. That we don't, we don't want to have a, just a temporary joy because joy or happiness in the world is temporary, but joy and happiness in you is eternal and life-changing. So with, with that in mind, Lord, can you continue to build us up? Lord, repair our hearts. If there's any brokenness, anything in us that is, that is hindering us from having this joy, we pray right now that you would heal us, mend us, give us your strength. Help us to mirror your life. That in everything we do, we worship you. All that we have, that we would consider it joy when we encounter various trials. Because we know that it's a testing of our faith and it's going to produce endurance. And we're going to have a finished result shepherd. We shall not want. We lack nothing when we walk with you. Thank you for showing us how to bear fruit in our lives by your spirit. We pray these things in Jesus' name. We all said together, amen. Can we just thank our Lord for being the one that gives us the strength to do so?